Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Praise God. So today we're going to talk about kingdom business. Everybody say kingdom business. Kingdom business. Oh, lovely. That's lovely. All right, here we go. Um, go with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I didn't mean to tell that story so long, but there's going to be, I'm going to tie it up to what I have to say. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says this. This is a familiar scripture that you should be um, aware of. Be, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, right? So this scripture says, seek what? First. Um, I, I, I think that some people seek the kingdom last. But it says seek first, not last. We must put the kingdom of God first. Um, is the kingdom of God priority in your life? You know, um, there are a lot of believers who don't put the kingdom of God first. Um, it should be the center of our lives. Don't go through this life without being uh, about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is so important. It, it, it really is the kingdom, the, the rule and the reign and the dominion of the king who is Jesus, the kingdom of God. We should seek first this kingdom. This kingdom should be priority. Not your jobs, not your families, but the kingdom of God. And we should give ourselves over to this kingdom. We should be like the man in the parable that sold all that he had for the treasure of the kingdom. The kingdom of God should be something that we treasure Seeking first the kingdom of God, and how do we do that? How do we seek the kingdom of God? There are many ways in which we can seek the kingdom of God. I'm going to give you a few in a few minutes, but we must put the kingdom first. The kingdom must be something that we pray about. We've been talking about the last three or four weeks about prayers of the kingdom or kingdom prayers. You need to pray these prayers so the kingdom of God could be flooded in your life. You should be mindful of the kingdom of God every day. What, what does the kingdom of God look? The kingdom of God includes the church, but it also includes the world, God's dominion about what's about to happen when the Lord comes. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and his Christ. And so we should seek the kingdom. We pray thy kingdom what? Come. And so that should be part of our prayers. Praying for the kingdom of God to be in manifestation. Whenever there are people are getting healed and people are saved and devils are driven out, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has come. So the kingdom of God must be first priority. Amen. Amen. And, and so with that in mind, go with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. This is also a familiar scripture. We're about to do our, our study in the Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It says, if you then been raised with Christ, seek what? The things... Everybody say the things. Uh, there are things of the kingdom. There are things that are above. Some people get mad about things, right? And they said, oh, you prosperity preachers are all about things. But God says he'll add things to us. Amen. And so there's nothing wrong with things. Here it says, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who, is, who, 
who is your life appears, then you also will appear, appear with him in glory. So we see this scripture where Paul is exhorting his church to seek the things that are above. Sounds like Matthew 6. Um, set your minds on things that are above and not things on the earth. Uh, set, setting your mind on things that are above is really to become heavenly minded. Growing up, they used to say, to be heavenly minded is to be no earthly good. But what I've learned is to be heavenly minded is to be earthly good. To be flaky minded is no earthly good. That's what they meant. It's people all in the heavens, I'm in prayer, and the baby's crying and dying, you know. I mean, that's flaky, right? Because if you're seeking the kingdom, you'd be about the baby too. Or let me go in the mountain and do some prayer and, and, and become a monk and, and, and I'm seeking the kingdom. No, you're seeking yourself. You want peace. So you don't want to be around people, right? You don't, want, you don't want to really live this Christian life so you don't get married. I mean, I, you, you know, but, uh, we don't want to talk about that. Those people, oh, I'm just going to seek the kingdom and just by yourself in the mountain. You're not seeking the kingdom. You're fooling yourself, right? Because wherever the people of God is, that's where the kingdom is. That's the opportunity to seek the kingdom. And so here the scriptures talks about basically being heavenly minded. Um, and I like to say this, to be heavenly minded is to be earthly good. To be earthly minded is to be not heavenly good. <laughs> um, the word seek means to search for, chase after. And so we need to seek those things that are above. We must be about our father's business. We must be about the kingdom's business. Luke chapter 2, verse 49 talks about how Jesus um, and Mary and Joseph went into Jerusalem and, and they were, you know, fellowshipping, buying stuff, or doing, going for the feast. And Mary and Joseph decided to leave a little bit and Jesus was behind and he was in the temple at 12 years old. And I used to think he was preaching, but he wasn't. The Bible says he was sitting and asking questions and they were astonished at what he was asking his understanding and and when Mary showed up and says you know don't you know you had your father and I were very concerned and Jesus said to, to to Mary did you not know that I was about my father's business what was his father's business asking questions learning if you're in school that's your father's business if you're at work that's your father's business if you're at church, that's your father's business. If you're raising a family, that's your father's business. So the kingdom of God um, includes all the, the whole Christian life, kingdom business. So with that in mind, I got five P's of the kingdom. Everybody say five P's. Five. All right, I'm going to give you these five P's real quickly so you can beat the Baptist to the buffet. <laughs> um, the first one is purpose. Everybody say purpose. Purpose. Second is preparation. Preparation. The third is prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. Fourth is people. And the last is prophesy. All right. Prophecy. The people, let, let, we're going to break them down. So the first is purpose. So we're going to dive into purpose. Purpose, preparation, prayer, people, and prophecy. A prophesy. Excuse me. Um, this is an exhaust, isn't an exhaust, exhaustive list, but it's really a beginning list. So let's talk about purpose. Purpose. You must discover your purpose in the kingdom of God, in Christ. Without purpose, abuse is inevitable. Dr. Miles Monroe. All right. Uh, why do you exist? Why were you created? What did God have in mind when he created you? That, that, when we talk about purpose, that's what we're talking about. Uh, you, you really don't know the purpose of a thing unless you go into the mind of the creator. 
So what's the purpose of the computer or the uh, Apple? You got to go into the mind. They give you a manual, which is the mind of the creator, to give you illustration or show you how to operate, right? So purpose. So many times people don't know the purpose of their life. People who commit suicide or attempts to commit suicide, they don't know the purpose of their life because purpose is a strong thing. It's a strong force. It'll stop you from committing suicide. Purpose is very powerful, and God is a God of purpose. Everything that God does is on purpose. He does everything on purpose, right? He, he does not do anything by accident. And, and the trials and the tribulation that you go through, um, they are on purpose. Um, they come to destroy you, but God has something else in mind, giving you an opportunity to use your faith. You, how can you have a testimony without a test? Uh, sometimes when people say, well, you know, um, you, 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 when you go through a trial and a tribulation, it seems as if God is silent. But really, God is expecting you, since you've been in the classroom and learning, God expects you to put into practice what you've learned. And so when you're going through a test, like even as in school, you don't have an opportunity to ask questions. Um, you just have to put into practice what you believe. Do you believe what you believe? That, that's what a test is for. Do you really believe that Jesus will provide your needs? And so purpose, purpose is powerful. Purpose cannot be discovered without first going into the mind of the creator. You cannot truly be about the kingdom business, kingdom business without discovering your purpose. There's a lot of people say, I'm about the kingdom's business, the, the business of the kingdom, but I don't know my purpose. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I don't mean to preach. I actually want to teach. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Prophesy. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this. It says, for we are his workmanship. Everybody say workmanship. We are his workmanship created in what? In Christ Jesus. So when we got born again, uh, the Lord created us. In Christ Jesus, he's made us brand new. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. We became, God did not make us over, in a sense, re renovated us or reinvented us, but he made us brand new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. You, become, you became brand new. You became born again. The word born again means to be born from up above. God calls you to be recreated. So we were created. We're brand new, brand new. There's nothing to compare. You're a babe when you get born again. And so here it says we are, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What's the next part? For what? For good works. So God wants you to work. God wants you to work. He doesn't save you for you to sit. He saves you for some good works. So the first thing he does is he puts you to work. For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's some good works that God has prepared for us uh, ahead of time. Amen. Colossians 1, 16 says, we are created by God, by Christ, and for Christ. Everybody say, I was created by Christ and for Christ. Right. You were created for Christ. Everything about you was created for Christ. They tell us, this is what they say. Who, who are they? They or whoever the researchers are, the historians. Um, they say that we only use 10% of our brain. 
If that is true, I'm convinced that 90% of our brain is meant for God and his glory. And if we don't use it here on the earth, we're going to use it in heaven in all eternity. It's going to take all of our brain or all of our mind to understand everything who God made us to be and everything that God has for us. And so if we only use 10%, then the rest is for God and his glory. Amen. Amen. But I believe that we can tap into um, some of the er other elements of our brain and not just stay within that 10%. Sometimes with he hearing the things like that, we, we limit ourselves. But how many know that with God, all things are possible? Amen. That we can grow in our understanding. And, we, and to, to, to really know Christ, he, he, becomes, he makes us even more human than we really are. Not fleshly, but more human. He, he, allow, he maximizes. Christ is the, the epitome of what a human is, the way God created them. And so God creates us in such a way, and in Christ, we become um, human to the max. But some Christians only live on a low level. Purpose is a powerful thing. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without a reason. It is dangerous to be alive and not, and not know why you were given life. So many believers are going around, I, I don't know my purpose. I don't know the will of God. If they'll just read the Bible, they'll get a purpose or a word for their life. Some people are seeking a word from a prophet, but if you get in the word, you'll have a word for your life. God will give you a word for your life and it'll set you up for the rest of your life. One of the most Frustrating experiences is to have time and not know why. There are many people who die full instead of dying empty. Dr. Miles talks about being, dying empty. William McDowell, talk, Pastor William McDowell, talks about dying empty. How many know that we should die empty? Whatever God's given us, we should maximize our potential and die empty. You got songs in you, you need to die with those songs written. You got books in you, you need to die with those books written. You got sermons, you got, you got entrepreneurship, business ideas, you need to die with those things out of you. We're so full of the potential of God. And potential is not what you did. Potential is what's, what you, you haven't done yet, what you have not accomplished. And purpose will give you understanding of your potential. Purpose, And you never, I was listening, I think this morning or last night, I was listening to um, Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn was a Christian motivator. He was a billionaire. And he moved around motivating people, especially in the business world. And he said that you should begin a thing when you finish it. When you don't finish something, when you start something you haven't finished it, you won't finish it. But you actually should begin something when you finish it. In other words, when you think about people who build buildings, they finish the building before they finish the building. Right? Um, you should think about the end of a thing at the beginning of a thing. And that's how God is. God thinks about the end of it before the beginning. So he thought about you and your purpose at the beginning of your, before he created you. He had vision in mind. And purpose will produce vision. Get a vision for your life. Get a vision for your family. Get a vision for your finances. Where will you be five years from now? Kingdom business. 
If you're really about the kingdom of God, then you will think about eternity. You will think about five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. 20 years from now, I will not be pastoring. <laughs> I'll be traveling the world. I'm going to travel to every nation, all 195 nations. And I was communicating with God and asking God, Lord, please let me plant a church in all 195 nations. And it, was, it got silent. God just got solid. And I said, well, I really don't have enough time because I will at least will have to spend at least a year to two or maybe five years to each 195 nations, and I just don't have that much time. I'm going to live to be 120. I'm going to die after that, right? And so I, I, that's not, it's not a lot of time. He should have started a long time ago. I mean, we should have started this when I got, we came five, and I could have planted these churches, and we were gonna, maybe on track. And, and, and so... But he's going to allow me to travel to all 195 nations. Now, I may be able to inspire pastors to, to plant churches in all 195 nations, but I, I won't be able to plant that. Y'all got quiet on me. <laughs> uh, so purpose is a, so you should think about then. You should think about, you should have a vision for your finances in the kingdom of God. God will free you up from debt if you have a vision to sow back into the kingdom. What, what is purpose? It is the original intent in the mind of the creator that motivated him to create a particular thing. What is purpose? It is, uh, again, purpose always precede production. Purpose always precede production. God created you with a definite purpose in mind. Let, let's talk about this. Provisions are made to maintain, sustain, and produce God's purpose for your life. So where there is purpose, Purpose creates a vision, and vision produces goals. Let me say that again. Purpose creates a vision, and vision produces goals. And where there is vision, there will always be provision. Where there is no vision, people perish. And where there is no people, the vision perish. And so we need to provide, we need to have vision. If you'll get a vision for something, and if it's a God thing, then God will make sure you have provision for the vision. Remember, provision is before the vision. So get the vision and God will get the provision for you. He'll make a way for the vision to be manifested. Amen. That's what confessing the word of God will do. If you confess the word, that means you got a vision of your health and you believe God for something. And we'll talk about this as we talk about prophecy, prophesying. And here we are, if you get vision... Provision will follow. God has already made, he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord has already made provision for us. And so get a vision. Get with God and allow the Holy Spirit to give you a vision for your life. Don't live on purpose. Get jobs on purpose. Don't, don't work for money, but let money work for you. Amen. Amen. Find a job that will work around the kingdom of God and that will benefit the kingdom of God. Don't get a job that you have to work around for the kingdom. You know, work around. You know, let me work around this job, my schedule. I'm not coming against people who work Sundays. I've worked Sundays, and you got to do what you got to do. But at the same time, you can get caught up where you miss church because of work. And, and, and that's a problem, that the kingdom of God is not priority, right? Uh, and so... It, well, well, well God, I got to get this money. Well, don't you know that the God you serve on Sunday and you get in your gatherings will make sure you get the money. So we said purpose creates a vision and vision produces goals. Let's talk about these goals real quick. Goals determine the necessary steps towards the desired end. Goals dictate co companion. 
a company, right? If you if you have certain goals, you won't marry certain people. Like, uh, we're not we don't have the same goals. Uh, you know, sometimes people <laughs> sometimes people do this. They I married somebody because the Lord said. And most of the time, those marriages that I've seen end up in divorce. The Lord told you told us to get married. Mm, really? And you you don't have the same goals. This is this is a disaster going somewhere to happen. I mean, uh, before I, I, I married my wife at 15, 6, well, 17 years ago, I, before I met her, um, I said, can you deal with me being a pastor? Can, and she said, can you deal with me making music and singing all the time? And um, they used to put a, um, a uh, what do you call that? Um, they used to put a... Maybe I shouldn't say it, so because I, I don't can't remember. But anyway, um, can you deal with me traveling the world? And so for the first six years of our marriage, she traveled the world. That's why we don't have a fifteen year old. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she traveled the world. She was gone all the time. She went to every like every, almost every continent, singing. So that was important to her. If you can't get with this, and then you know tithing was very important to her. Let me see the, your tithing records for the last five years, and she made me send them to her. I had to send her and produce. These tithing records, and it was always shaky around Christmas time. <laughs> She's like, why is it? Well, you know that Christmas presents are much? Unexcusable. You still tithe them. What, you know, I mean, I always miss the tithe on Christmas time. I mean, I'm confessing. Now, y'all don't do that. <laughs> we, we, PD got to work extra hours just because nobody tithes because they missed it. But do you used to do that? <laughs> no, don't do that. Um, and so there were certain goals that we had in mind, like, you know, where, where are you going? Where, where are you taking me? Um, even though you don't know where you're going, but you do, you should have a sense. Of, I mean, we came out to the song, you know, after they said, you may kiss your bride and the music, and, and we had the song, Ain't No Stopping Us. Hey, y'all know the song? Can't sing a little bit of it. <laughs> so th there's another part to it. Uh, where, where are we going? We don't know. So why do you walk out to that? <laughs> Ain't no stopping us, but we don't know where we're going. <laughs> well, we didn't know where we were going, but we should have had some kind of clue where we were going. <laughs> so, so we talked about pastoring. We talked about um, um, grinding and, and for the things of God. And, and I, I would love to tell you that we are where we want to be. We're not. I mean, we made a lot of mistakes in between, but, but thank God for mercy. Amen? But you should have some goals. Goals dictate company. Um, goals determine decisions. So, I mean, if God called you to do something specifically, like being an entrepreneur or being a pastor or being some, a nurse, then why go to school for something that you're not going to use, right? Um, goals determine de decisions. Now, you can't change your destiny overnight, but you can, you can change your direction. You know, you can't change your destiny. See, your, 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 um, your determination, your direction will determine your destiny. But you can't change your destiny overnight, but you can change your direction, which will eventually affect your destination. And so goals predict choices. Uh, growing up, I, I was presented with marijuana, uh, I remember being like seven or eight, and 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 these relatives say, "Hey, can, you know, you want some?" And I just made a decision 
No, I, I don't want it. And I, don't, I didn't even know why I didn't want it. So God knew that if I did that, I probably would not be here now. Um, goals create priorities. I knew in my heart I wanted to be a minister of the gospel, but I wasn't sure because I ran from it. But I knew that, you know, that I need to go to school. I, I, I knew that I need to be around people who prayed a lot. I need, I need you know, and that created my priorities. I, I didn't hang out with people who were, who were doing anything, right? And I was very intentional with my friends. Like if I, if I sensed something that, you know, you were going to have a negative impact, even now I'll pull back. I was like, oh, no, because I'll become like the person I hang out with. You hang out with somebody, you pick up their mannerism, pick up their way of thinking. And I just, I just, I'm very purposeful of who I hang out with, who I call brother and, you know, sister. And because that, that's going to influence me, who I expose my kids to, so forth. Goals provide a measure for progress. A measure of progress. We got to hurry up. Uh, um, the, next, the next step is preparation. Preparation. If, if, you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? God expects us to prepare to walk in our purpose and do kingdom business. God always uses things and people to prepare you for something greater. That, 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 that trial, it, it, it will help you to use your faith. If you can't believe God for $5 when you have to have a building and believe God for $5 million, then, I mean, it starts out with the $5, right? Everything starts small. Right. I start out. Listen, before I had people to preach to people who actually will hear me preach, people who actually fly me in, to pay me to preach. Guess what? I was preaching to my mom and grandma's perfume bottles. I did. I was faithful. They got saved. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. They spoke in tongues. They were like, Shh, hallelujah. Shh. And I would knock them down. This is before I knew about being here. I would knock them. Be filled. And they were like, Shh. true, true story. True story. I was like, yes. <laughs> That's that anointing. And I would have like music on. I'm like, we're going to choir and do like, you know, sing. You know, I, I thought that was a little meaning. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then I was like, okay, and I'll preach. I don't know what I was preaching, some false doctrine. I was preaching to them. And they were like, and so I was praying, yes, you receive Christ, yes, yes. And, and I was like, now say this prayer. Lord God, save me, save me. Oh, God, save me. And they get saved. And I was like, now be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to them. Yes. My God was like, what are you doing? True story. And then the Lord blessed me with a brother and some cousins, and I preached to them. I did. And then I, my mom bought me a guitar. And the only song that I knew how to play and sing was This Is The Day. And so we were out in the country, and I put a blanket out, and I had them sit down. You thought it was like, you know, Jesus freak people. And I was sitting down, and we're singing, this is the day, this is the day. And I said, now you're going to hell if you don't get saved. And then the kids would run and go ask their parents, like, is that true? It is? And it's like, he's telling the truth. And they come back like, oh, we need to say this prayer. And I did that. I was faithful with that. <laughs> And then um, I, I went to junior high school, and I had a tape ministry, and I, I, I didn't know it was illegal, but I would record, like, gospel <laughs> songs on this tape, and, and then I would pass out the tapes, and it would give me an opportunity to witness. I would witness to people and pray for them, lead them to Christ, and they would get saved. And so as I was faithful with those things over and over again, and I used to think that, well, you know, I don't have enough money to tithe, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my tithe to buy the cassette. 
My dad said, what are you doing? <laughs> You're not tithing. You are tied to your own ministry. Boy, get <laughs> use your extra money, the extra money that you spend on food and stuff. That's your money you need to use for the cassettes, not the tithe. Yes, sir. Um, but anyway, it has nothing to do. Preparation time, right? Um, prepare yourself for what God has for you. Prepare yourself spiritually, physically, financially, and relationally. Some of us, God, if God was to call us to, to move across country and, and um, or move across the world and become missionaries, we're so much in debt that he couldn't tell us to do that without providing a way for us paying off our debt. So do whatever you got to do to prepare for this call and this purpose. Um, prepare for what you're believing for. What are you believing for? Prepare the way. When preparation meets opportunity, that's when success happens. Let me say it again. When preparation meets opportunity, that's when success happens. I was telling some fellas earlier this morning that I, was, I did not want to be called. I ran from the call. I, I really could not talk. I really was not a good communicator. I had speech therapy. Did y'all know that? I, I went to speech therapy. I didn't know how to say the, the, and they would like work with me. And, and for the long time, I didn't know how to say milk. I didn't know how to say milk. And so and when they was like, my aunt, one time she's like, what do you, what do you want? I said, I want some milk. <laughs> Don't laugh. I was like, milk. And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, uh, nothing. And, and, and I was like, and I couldn't express myself. And for a long time, I would stutter, and I could not talk for a long time. And I would, frust I would be frustrated. Just frustrated. And I was just like, why, God, why would you call me to preach? I, I can't talk. I went to speech therapy, and the speech therapist got, gave up on me. <laughs> She's like, you, you are a lost case. <laughs> and I really believed that, too. I was like, Lord, see, I ain't called to preach. And, and I read about Moses. <laughs> I said, well, I need an Aaron. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I'm telling you, God, sometimes he, he, he calls the unlikely, right? I, I did not want to be. I, I, I enjoy being in the background. I really enjoy it. I even now, I like, go ahead and preach. Preach a whole month of July. Courtney, you can preach May through August. <laughs> and, and, and the Lord's like, no, that's not, you know, he had to push me up front. And so you have to prepare. And so I didn't take any speech classes. I probably should have. I didn't take Toastmasters. I probably should have. But I just, I, I had a long time. Even now, there's certain words I, you know, I, I have to use my faith to pronounce. And I was just like, but for a long time, it was just the hardest hardest thing, like, oh, I can't, but God prepares us, and then the next thing I know, I, I find myself um, talking in, in front of the class uh, in high school, and then going to um, Bible college, talking in front of that class, and, and then going, working at Red Lobster, and they're calling me to do a staff meeting, and I'm like, why am I, I mean, I'm, then people ask me to come and speak at a graduation, and I'm not talking about Christian graduation, I'm like, what do you want me to talk about? Talk about that purpose thing. And so I had a little speech. I was going around talking about purpose, purpose, purpose. And then I was going into prisons and, and ministering to and preaching. And they're like, oh, you're a great preacher. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a horrible preacher. I had to stop change that confession. <laughs> and so, so you can't always look at, uh, so when somebody says, uh, do you think I, I have this gift or that don't, you know, sometimes those gifts are um, in, in like baby, baby stages. And so you don't want to discourage that. So preparation is important. Next part is prayer, right? Prayer. You got to pray out the will of God. You got to pray the prayers of the kingdom. Develop a prayer life. If you want to be about king, the kingdom business, you got to have a prayer life. You got to pray more than just about your needs. You got to pray for the master's plan. 
What is God doing on the earth that is bigger than your purpose, your personal purpose? So prayer. Prayer is vital to every believer. Like oxygen is to every human, so is prayer to every believer. Pray, pray yourself into prayer. Sometimes we don't, we pray in the flesh, right? You know, I think everybody starts out praying in the flesh. Very few people start out praying in the spirit. When I say praying in the spirit, I'm talking about connecting with the Holy Spirit where you're praying and there's anointing to pray. You know, there's sometimes you're more anointed to pray than others. You do understand that, right? Uh, every prayer is not like, woo, I wish I, I would be there now. I mean, every, sometimes when you pray, it, it, you just, you, you, you're praying through the veil of the flesh. And you're just hitting the flesh and you're praying, oh, God, hello, And you're praying all this doubt and unbelief and, and you're praying on your emotions because you're emotionally invested. So you're praying about that, not praying about the kingdom, not praying from God's perspective. And so you got to pray yourself into prayer. And when you pray yourself in prayer, you know it. That anointing kicks in, and it's not about you and your needs. Now you're praying for other people and their needs, and you're praying for their salvation. You're not just praying for your little family. Now you're praying for other families. You're praying for your enemies. You're calling out blessings. Lord, bless them, God. Bless them. Lord, forgive them. And God dealing with you. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's a, no longer is there a struggle. There's a release, and there's a flow. I would love to be in that place all the time. I'm talking to God. I said, please, can I? Well, in heaven, we'll get there. <laughs> but on earth, we got some struggle to do, right? We got to struggle through this flesh. So prayer. And then my next one is people, right? Um, I heard my dad's, well, I did not hear my dad say this. My brother heard my dad say this, and my brother shared it with me recently, so therefore I'm going to share it with you. Uh, Reverend Johnny D. D. Dixon said this, my dad, ministry is the business of people. Everybody say, ministry, ministry is the business of people. So the interest of Jesus is people. Jesus is interested in people. He can care less about your comfortable life. He loves people. He will send you to a remote island just for one person. He'll make you miss a flight for one person. He'll make you get laid off for many people. Glory to God. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Lord has people on his mind. He's thinking about people all the time. I mean, the, the Bible says we are engraved in, in his hands. So every time he sees his hands, he sees people. When, I, when he was on that cross, I was on his mind. You was on his mind. He was thinking about us. Let me show you this from Scripture. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Real quick, Hebrews chapter 12. He's thinking about people, and he thinks about the unborn. Believe it or not, he's thinking about not just only our little generation. Everybody's into the millennials, and now, now millennials getting old. Now everybody's Generation Z. I mean, but, but how many know that he's thinking about beyond Generation Z? He's, he's thinking way down the line, and he's thinking even the older f folks, right? So he's not thinking. So sometimes when you build a ministry just on young people, um, you'll you, you, you fail. You got to think about everybody, old and young. Yeah, you got to, you got to, and one of, the re, one of the reasons we believe we exist here at KLM is to bridge the gaps between the young and the old. It's the, because uh, I believe that we, we don't give older folks a voice to speak into the young people's lives. So when I was youth pastor, I used, I used to get older folks, like mom, grandma, to come and preach to young people all the time. I did that purposely. And then I would stick truth in the middle because he's a young old man, you know. And I did that all the time. And I was like, we, we have to be 
intentional. Intentional. And I, I think that we miss an opportunity because we miss that generation. I, I speak to older folks. I, I got a mentor who's 83 years, 84 years old. Talk to me about life and ministry. Tell me how you built that building debt free. Come on. <laughs> Talk to me about how to have a successful marriage. I talked to my mentor, Dr. Patrick, the other day. He'd been married 51 years. Talk to me. Talk to me. Tell me what you did wrong and how you made it right. And I I had a problem with Courtney recently. I was like, Dr. Patrick, y'all don't tell him. I said, Dr. Patrick, what's up? What's up? She's like, you ain't ain't nothing, dude. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. Yes, sir. I'm telling you. And when I take, sometimes I take couples that I'm counseling to see Dr. Patrick. <laughs> and they're like, I don't want to go back to him. We're going to bring him here for a marriage seminar to talk to the married folks. And he's going to rip us apart, and him and Sister Patrick. Anyway, y'all don't run away. Um, um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this, Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for what? The joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God and so Jesus says he endured the cross for the joy and who who's that joy we are he endured the cross for us he did not die for himself some people want to say he died as us that's a lie from the pit of hell he died as the son of God the divine son of God he died as God so that he can rescue us he died for us for our sins And so Jesus died in our place. So he had people on his mind when he was enduring the cross. He didn't have to go through the cross. He left the glories of heaven to come to the poverty of earth. He left heaven to come to earth to die for us, to live a perfect life so that his sacrifice could be received by God. His life needed to be perfect so that his death could be received by God the Father. And God approved of his death, his life and his death, as our sacrifice by resurrecting him from the grave. The resurrection is only the approval of God's, of Jesus' life and death. There are many people who died on that cross. The cross was a, um, the capital punishment of that day. It was normal for people to die that way. And so there's no power in the cross itself. Everybody wants to, oh, the cross, there's power in the cross. No, the, what makes the cross so powerful is the blood that was shed on the cross. The sinless blood, the blood that had no, 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 it was not mixed with sin. That blood causes that cross to be powerful. And it's not the preaching of the cross itself. It's the content of the cross that makes one saved. It's the message. Satan will come after the message and not necessarily the symbol. You can get, I mean, I used to teach about the cross a lot as a youth pastor. People would get cross tatted all over. I said, that doesn't mean anything. You're not doing anything. But, I mean, when you get old, you're going to be one big mar. Like, hey, that's a cross. <laughs> I mean, one time I said, one died for all so that all can live for one. And this guy went and got it tatted on his neck. Like, what? Peter, you like this? No, I don't. <laughs> now I got to find somebody to take that off. <laughs> take up an offering just to get that off. I mean, like, I mean, it's ridiculous. He go around not living for God. One die for all. all for like, what? <laughs> Having a little cross on you. I mean, that's nice and pretty, but there's no power in that. The power is in the person that was on the cross. That's no longer at the cross. His blood shed because he lived a perfect life. The vicarious death of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, uh, kingdom business is a 
includes people. People. People are not inter. Pastor Powell said this. People are not interruption, but people are the reason why we exist. God calls us to people, and wherever there's people, you can do the will of God. I had a friend who who powerful. Um, um, minister of the gospel in Cleveland and I saw him when we were young lads and uh, we, we got a chance to minister Clint um, Rogers and he, he preached, he can preach and I mean one time he was in Mexico and 50 deaf ears popped open. Then he went somewhere else and 50 blind eyes popped open, just miracles and stuff. And so he made some horrible decisions, right? Him and his wife and um, which caused him to be in a federal jail, prison. So he found himself in prison and he actually convinced the judge to let him serve the time for his wife. And the, ju the judge allowed that. And so he ended up spending several years in prison. And, he <laughs> and you go online and look at him, look at him. And when I found out about that time, he was almost out. And they said that he, he disturbed the peace. Because he was getting people, the Muslims were getting down and they're praying five times a day. He'd get right beside, Jesus, Jesus, I call you Jesus. And then, and he, then he would go and deal with the gang members in the prison and leading them to Christ. And then getting them filled with the Holy Spirit and they're getting slain. I mean, and then, so they moved them from Oklahoma to Texas, I mean, from Arizona to Texas. And to Texas to Oklahoma. And he just, they just kept moving them, putting them in solitude because everywhere he went, he was leading people to Christ in prison. So the call doesn't stop because you end up in prison. The will of God can still be done because there's people. It only stops if you're by yourself. And it really doesn't stop because you can pray then. But then God will put you in front, of, in front of people. He'll put you around people. If that call is on you, he'll put you around people so that call can continue. Continue. And I, I'm telling you, and they call me, I work at Budweiser, so don't judge me. And so they call me the pastor of Budweiser. They actually do. I got videos. This is the pastor of Budweiser. We, he prays for us. He, 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 he tells us about marriage. One, guy, one couple, they were living together for like six years. And I'm like, yo, you need to get married. What's wrong with you? And he was like, oh. And so he went two weeks later. He came back. He said, guess what, pastor? I got marriage license. He went and got married. He, I said, how, he's not even saying, he said, how's that working? He's like, man, that's the best thing I could have did. I said, yeah, so let's talk about Jesus a little bit more. And I told him, go get the five love languages. He got the five love languages. He said, that thing is a miracle. I don't particularly care about the five love languages, but I, you know, I knew that that was on his level. And he took it and applied it, and now his marriage is like, oh, it's better. Amen. Now I'm trying to get him to come to it. So one Sunday, we're going to call it Buttweiser Sunday. <laughs> we are, we are. So God is about people. Philippians, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. I'm telling people, I remember working at Enterprise, and I'm leading people, customers. I said, oh, God, they got the camera right there. Let's go to the car. <laughs> Let me tell you about this car. I got in the car. I said, you want to receive Jesus? Yes. Let's pray. Father God, and the dude prayed, got saved in the car. He went back to Michigan and got into a church and said, PD, guess what? They call me PD everywhere. I'm like, what, what's wrong with this? I didn't ask you to call me PD. But he, he's like, PD, I'm in a church in Detroit. And now he, him and his girls, he got married, had a baby, and now he's in church faithfully. Amen. He got saved in a car. One guy, I, I mean, I'm in a classroom, I was teaching, and, and, um, and uh, some reason, young people around me. And so he followed me around everywhere I go. And so I said, yo, you're going to get saved today. <laughs> so I led him to Christ. He got saved, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and now he's serving God. So, so, so people, wherever there's people, the kingdom business can be accomplished. Kingdom business. Philippians chapter 2, let's look at verse 19. Verse 19. 
I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him. Everyone say no one. I have no one like him who have been generally concerned for your welfare. For they all, <laughs> for they all, Paul said, for they all, for they all, oh, no, I'm sorry, for they all seek their own interests and not the interests of not those of Jesus Christ. Not those of Jesus Christ. People is the interest, or people are the interest of Jesus Christ. It is the agenda of the kingdom. God wants to occupy heaven with a bunch of people. Do not go to heaven without people. That doesn't mean kill them. <laughs> that means lead them to Christ. Lead them into the kingdom. God has people on his mind. He's always thinking about people. Kingdom business, ministry is the business of people. It's messy business. Relationships are messy. Getting involved in discipleship and praying and casting out devils and healing the sick and, and slapping them on the head and get it together. It's messy business. You cannot be an instrument of God without getting messy. And God allows you to be born in a family where there's drama so that you can bring peace, so you can reconcile people to God and God to people. You can be an ambassador for God. Amen. So people is part of the kingdom business. And last but not least, um, prophecy, prophesy, prophesy. Not prophecy, prophesy. I think it should be with S. Minister Allen. Um, prophets, because there's a difference between prophecy, prophesy. Um, and so I'm talking about speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Prophesy your future. Kingdom business. Your mouth is kingdom business. Say, my mouth is kingdom business. Say that again. My mouth is kingdom business. Now, you know the story I told about my tooth getting extracted, and I, as the guy, as the dentist was touch, um, um, working on it, I said, Lord, my mouth is kingdom business, so when he touches my mouth, he touches your kingdom. So make sure that this mouth is on point so that I can be about your business. Yes, a toothless pastor is not the will of God. For me, for me, for me. I'm not judging anybody else. But I was like, this is not the will of God. So I need my teeth. And so um, that's a true story. I said, God, get rid of vain. I said, I'll be on the side, Lord. Um, so the Lord hooked that up. And so your mouth is kingdom business. God expects us to prophesy. Your, you are, listen to this, this is going to change your life. You are the prophet of your own life. You are the prophet of your own life. You can prophesy your future. Let me tell you what happened. A year ago, a little bit over a year ago, me and my wife were carless. The two wonderful uh, hoopties that we had died. And we had them for like about 12 years. They died. We were trying to ride that out. I was confessing, Lord, I thank you. I had to confess the word every time I drove those cars. Lord, I thank you that this car will last until I get my doctorate in Jesus' name. Lord, let it last. I don't, I, car payments are of the devil. And God, I buy car payments in Jesus' name. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I think I don't, I bragged about how the fact I didn't need no car payment. And, uh, and I talked about it and preached about it. And, uh, and so <laughs> the cars, whoops, they died. So we carless, and mom was like, oh, we can Uber everywhere. We can do live, $220 unlimited. You can go to the church and pray all day. I said, oh, man. And then somebody had the idea to go do a GoFundMe. Don't ever let nobody do a GoFundMe. You hear me? Y'all hear me? No, not the will of God. And so, um, so 
So I, I said to my wife, we're going to have three cars. A car for you, a car for me, a car for the family. And she's like, how? <laughs> Practically. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what does that look like? I said, I need you to get in the faith. <laughs> Stop doubting my faith. I said, we're going to have three cars. Okay. And uh, guess what happened? I looked at my driveway, three cars. A year later. Now, it's not totally the will of God, because two of them are financed. <laughs> but the, the family one is debt-free. <laughs> and my boy blessed me with a debt-free car, brand-new transmission, four brand-new tires, 85,000 miles, that drives, like, out of this world. I said, well, it doesn't, can I play my phone through it? No. So he went, we went to Walmart and got a connection. He said, right, we got you. And so he connected up. And I said, now you got your YouTube, I mean, your Bluetooth. I said, thank you. <laughs> uh, and so debt free. I mean, that, that one. So I'm working, I'm using my faith for the other two. <laughs> but I'm telling you, God is good. You have what you say. And I said a year, year some change. I said, we're going to have three cars. And I saw it. I saw it. Remember, I saw it, my faith, my faith sees the impossible, and I saw it, but it naturally, it was not right, it doesn't look right, and I saw it, I saw three cars, I said, Lord, I thank you for three cars in the name of Jesus, I declare and decree that we have three cars, a car for Courtney, a car for me, and a car for the family, in Jesus' name, and I began to confess it, and confess it, and confess it, and, and, and I forgot about it, and yesterday, God says, you remember what you were confessing? It manifested. And I told Courtney, she said, I don't remember that. I said, come on. Oh, I do. Oh, my goodness. Let's confess about this. I said, yeah, that's what I've been trying to tell you the last 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. So you got to prophesy. Thank you. You got to prophesy. Now, there's a new one on my desk that I forgot to get. It says, Pastor. <laughs> the heels blessed me with. <laughs> and so let me tell you, you got to prophesy your future. What you are believing God for, you got to declare it. I'm telling you, there's power in declaring the word of God. I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I said, Lord, I, I sure would be nice to have a week off. For some reason, I think I believe I'm going to get a week off with pay. And don't you know, I walked into work, they said, you got a week off with pay. I'm going to tell you a little secret. I said, God, Courtney's like, you know what? I'm just going to believe God. You're going to have months off. <laughs> Guess what? I got back from that furlough. I walked in, they said, you know, we hate to tell you this. Now, they hired 60 people. We hate to tell you this, but um, some of y'all going to get laid off. I said, okay. And they said, you know, just, just be ready for it. And I went around and said, I declare in the name of Jesus, they're going to lay me off. <laughs> they're going to lay me off. In Jesus' name, they're going to lay me off. I declare for four months, they gonna, because they're going to pay me 80% of my salary. I said, in the name of Jesus, they're going to lay me off. I'm going to go to Africa for a month, and three other months, I'm going to grind at the church. And by the time it's ready, it's going to be the launching pad. We're going back into the full-time ministry. Well, guess what? They're about to lay me off for four months. Yeah. We'll pay 80% and keep my benefits. I was like, this, and they hire people. They hire people. That doesn't even make sense. I said, oh, God. I said, I think I called Cleo. I said, Lord, the Lord came for me. The Lord came for me. I said, he, he, Cleo's like, what are you talking about? I said, Lord came, just like he came for Jonah. He came for Jonah. He came for me. Oh, God, you came for me. <laughs> and it's happening. It's hap and they're hiring people. I don't understand. It does, naturally, it does, they just got $40 million, and it does not make sense. 
because the Lord came for me, like Jonah. I'm the guy on the ship. Jump, get, get me off the ship, and then y'all go go up. <laughs> yeah. All right, so <laughs> your mouth is, is kingdom business. <laughs> and so, so they was like, Pastor, can you please pray and ask Jesus to turn this around? And I'm like, Lord, I already prayed the opposite. <laughs> the reason why it's happening, because last year I prayed, like, Lord, let them lay me off. Let, the first two months, I was like, Lord, let them lay me off. Let me, let me lay me off. And then a year later, here I am. I said, oh, God, oh, God, <laughs> I've been laid off. Yes. And they was like, I can't understand. Pastor, you're the happiest person I know. I'm going to finish my book. I'm going to go to Africa. And, they, and so don't, don't, don't get offended this. But one lady, she's she Muslim, she said, now you can carry your A to Africa for a month. I said, yes, Lord, let the, let the, let the wicked prophesy. I'm going to Africa for a month. So I called my friend and said, yeah, yeah, I'm coming over to preach for a month. I got you. We got um, crusades set up. We're ready for you. And Lord is hooking me up. It's hooking me up. So your mouth is the master key to your life. It is kingdom business. Confess your way into victory. Faith is released by the words of your mouth. I'm telling you, I've lived most of my life, I say 98% of my life, confessing for everything. I confess favor with my wife. I said, Lord, I thank you. I met Courtney. I said, I thank you, Lord. I have favor. I told one of my best friends, I said, I've met my wife. She's, he's like, I heard this before. I said, no, no, no. This is something different. This is, a, this is my wife. Uh, I, I said, well, you, she, he said, do you got her number? I said, no, she wouldn't take it. She wouldn't give me her number. But she got my number. I'm confessing that I have, my number has favor. My number has favor on her. When she looks at that number, she's like, I got to call this man. I got to call this man. And I looked at and she didn't call. I looked at the email. She didn't email me. I said, Lord, I thank you. I got favor with Courtney Scott. I, I declare and decree. I got favor. I'm not trying to claim somebody who's not my wife, but I got favor with her. I got favor. With her. And so she sent me an email Sunday night saying, I don't. I don't call men, so if you want to call me, here's my number. I might answer. <laughs> and I called her, and I've been calling her ever since. Amen. Amen. And then I told her, I, I had so much favor the first month. I mean, we started talking about marriage the first day. <laughs> I mean, it didn't make sense. Uh, she said, um, so I asked her, on a, long story short, her, her pastor set up where she had to take me to the airport. She thought the airport was 20 minutes away, but it was four hours away. And so she's like, this is, this is unacceptable. You're a minister, and, and I'm here, and driving you four hours away. This is not the will of God. I said, it's the will of God. <laughs> <laughs> and so, she, so I asked her, I said, why aren't you, you, you married? What do you look for in a man? She listed 10 things. I qualify for nine. Don't ask me what the 10th one is. Uh, and then she's like, why aren't you married? And I told her why. And then she's like, okay, cool. And, um, and then, so after she gave me her number, I called her within a month. I said, why don't you come up and meet my parents? And she said, okay. I was like, I don't have no money. Why am I put her in a hotel? She can't stay here. This is sinful. I can't, I, and, I, and I, <laughs> I didn't know what she, she said. I didn't believe she said, yeah. And the Lord said, you asked for favor. You got favor. And so um, I had her come up and whatnot. And then she ended up staying for like two weeks because it was a snowstorm. I'm like, yes. Uh-huh. But um, long story sto- short is that I, we, I confess, I, com- I confess things, 
confess, spoke into my, I prophesy my future. You can prophesy your future by declaring what God says. Now, now you, 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 uh, uh, if you declare something that's crazy, then the devil will make sure that comes to pass. But you got to declare what the word of God says and what you believe in your heart. Last story. Um, I went to my former church, Agape, and I was sitting down and I was, you know, and I, and I told my aunt, I, I could call my aunt right now, she'll tell you. I said, you know, Pastor Powell going to call me up and ask me to preach. And she looked at me like, you crazy. She don't know you. I said, watch it. Mark my words. Within two months, he called me up. He says, hey, I saw this video of you preaching. Come and preach. On a Wednesday, I'm going to be away. I said, okay. She's like, this is crazy. I said, oh, aunt, auntie. I'm gonna be the next. I'm gonna be the youth pastor of Agape Family Worship Center. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll be begin to declare, declare it, and declare. Now I didn't just do it out of the blue. I believe God gave that to me, and so I begin to declare. I'm the youth pastor. I declare I'm the youth pastor in Jesus' name. And bam, he reached out to me. We want you to be the youth pastor. And then I, then it started out with like 50 kids. I said, Oh, we're gonna grow to 100 in Jesus' name. We grew to 100. I said, We're gonna grow to 150. And then I would do events. I said, we're going to have 200 kids, and 75 kids would show up. I was like, oh, God, what am I going to do with this? And then I get, began to declare. I said, one day we're going to have a lock-in. It's going to be 1,000 kids, and 1,000 kids showed up one day. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do? I got to call the cops. Um, <laughs> and I hired, like, a, a, a cop that was for $25 who was not on, on um, duty, and he came just to be his presence. And I'm telling you, that's the way I have lived my life. You got to prophesy your future. Amen. Father God, I thank you for this time. I praise you and I glorify you. I thank you for this opportunity to share about kingdom business. I pray that we will take these things in consideration, that we will be people of purpose, that we will be people of purpose, that we will be prepared for what you have for us, and that we will be people of prayer, and that we be people of concern about people. And I thank you that we will prophesy our future. In Jesus' name. If you're here and you don't know Jesus and the pardon of your sins and you want to like to receive him as your savior, I want you to be bold, bold and brave enough to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to receive Christ. Is there anyone here who would like to receive Christ or rededicate or recommit yourself to Christ? Is there that concludes this week's message. And thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His word. God bless you.